Hello, and welcome to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. We're bringing together the best gaming leaders from across the Nordic region to discuss industry passions, challenges, and ideas. My name is Melanie, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers in the gaming industry. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, and Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Joanna, Ace, Andreas, and Innes. Uh, and before we get into our topic today, um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. So, Innes, if you'd like to start for me. Yes. My name is Innes, and I am a PR and communications manager for the Game Stars table. Andreas? Yes. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, Andreas Juliusson. I am the chief marketing officer at the uh, Swedish PR game developer and publisher, Fast Travel Games. Joanna? Hello, hello. Thanks for having me as well. I'm Doana Neville, and I'm a product person at Star Stable Entertainment, much like Ines. Lovely. And Ace? Yeah, hi, I'm Ace St. Germain, and I am the CEO for Beyond Frames Entertainment. Happy to be here. Cool beans. So now that we know like who you guys are, uh, let's move on to the topic that we've got today. So everybody has a question on diversity and inclusion. Um, and that's how we usually do it. Uh, I work around the room, asking each of you to pose your question and also give a little bit of context behind it. Everyone will have the opportunity to give their opinion, give their take on the situation. So let's just get cracking and start with Andreas and your question, please. Sure. So my question to this group is what values can uh, diversity and inclusion bring to a gaming gaming studio? <clears throat> And the reason I brought this question up is that sometimes my experience is that the discussion or uh, the sentiment around the diversity and inclusion stops with it being its own ultimate goal, meaning that we see diversity and inclusion as something positive, and most people would agree it's something to strive for. Uh, but speaking to different stakeholders, uh, for example, uh, founders or uh, board members or investors were often met with the question, sure, diversity is great, but what does it do for gaming studio? And I found it to be relatively easy to explain these values to some extent, uh, making everyone on board, so to speak, and, and uh, supporting the studio to actually go proactive uh, in pursuit of an increase in diversity and inclusion. So that is my question to you. Like, from your perspective, what values can D&I bring to a gaming studio um, more than just being, let's say, for the good of diversity and inclusion itself? Maybe we can start with uh, Duana. Your thoughts on this? <laughs> right. So I think I originally thought of this, uh, the question as sort of what values, not so much in uh, like the value to the studio in terms of, you mean a commercial value and such, um, I'm kind of thinking, what kind of values can can it teach us? You know, once we get, to... mm -hmm. I'm thinking like tolerance, open-mindedness. For a start, those are values we can can teach us. If we have more people, there are actually quite different 
you know, we, if we learn to be more tolerant, more open-minded, that's actually quite uh, quite great for the creative process. I mean, I think the obvious one that I'm missing here is that, again, if, you know, as a creative, uh, running creative team, if you have more diverse people who are coming from different places, different cultures, different different ways of thinking, I mean, that reflects the, the audience that we have as well, I think. And that's kind of the obvious one that's kind of put out there a lot. So having the diverse people, you know, driving sort of in the driver's seat a little bit um, will hopefully result in, in products that will that will appeal to the, sort of this more diverse audience more. And I think if we're able to improve our ability to think in another shoes like that, um, it's just really important for designers in general. That's that's something that I think in I think in video games we do a little bit we tend to design for ourselves for the most part. Almost every other design in every other industry kind of designs for other people as a baseline, but I think for some reason in games, you know, we tend to design for ourselves. And I think if we have more diversity in that team, uh, you know, designing these games, I think that, and ultimately, you know, having that show up in the product, it will benefit the bottom line. I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. It really resonates, uh, I think, with all of us. But uh, if we look at the the start of the gaming industry, uh, we, we mentioned uh, previously in our introduction before we started uh, recording the podcast that the gaming industry is very niche and it was catered to a very specific target and it was developed by a very specific target and that is uh, white males. Um and that has changed and the world has changed and the industry has to change with it. Um, they were telling their own stories because they were reflecting their life experiences within the stories that they were telling and the games that they were creating. Um, but again, there's more than just one target or one type of person. Um, and by embracing all the different aspects in each and every one of us, anything that is unique on our experiences, regardless of race or gender, um, we are only bringing greatness to the stories that we are telling. So there's no downsides, uh, no downside, sorry, to um, to bringing diversity and unique stories that haven't been told before. And you can tell by all the amazing games, indie and and, and AAA that are. Uh, currently either in place or launched or that will be launched. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This is exactly what I've been telling our our own board members as well. <laughs> so it's, it's good to hear. What what do you think, Ace? Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's uh it's difficult to follow up, I think, all the all the great answers have already been given. You know, diversity of uh of the, the, the diversity of points of view lead to a diversity of outcomes and like an excellence of products. And it's a very firm belief uh, of mine, at least. And um, the the outcome of that too, I think also the, uh, if you want to talk really on very specific values, like <laughs> we do as an industry suffer a little bit from like a bit of a homogeny of like certain types of games. And they kind of be a little samey sometimes are really difficult to break out. And some of that is because group think and coming from similar backgrounds and same backgrounds. And I think, you know, actually it's almost kind of a requirement for the survival of the future of this industry that we continue to diversify it, yeah, continue to reach out. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's not even specifically around even the uh, inclusion of diverse characters as a specific sort of point. Like, it's almost like, just like, it's just coming from where you come from. You might look at having a character cross a bridge different than somebody else. And that it can just be so incredibly powerful yeah. people. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's a wonderful thing. So, yeah, mm, I want to touch sure. on 
something that you said, Ines, also about, you know, the, the origin of the gaming target audience, you know, potentially, let's say, in the 80s or in the 90s, when, when gaming studios start to establish themselves. It's, it's really me, right? <laughs> I am that white male. I grew up in the 80s. And for, my, for me personally, having a diverse team to work with means the whole world to me. I know, you know, I know myself really well. I, I do a lot of self-analysis and I am, to some extent, like anyone else, you know, sometimes really, really stuck into doing things a certain way, thinking or approaching go-to-market plans in a certain way. So I purposely went for people that can challenge my ways of thinking for that sense, mm-hmm. just because the target audience as well have changed so much over the years. Mm-hmm. It, it's no longer just me. You know the white male. Mm. Oh, and and you. I think that's the right approach. I mean, um, no one is blaming, no one is pointing fingers at all. Oh, the evil overlord white man. That is just, <laughs> it, it's not, it's not about that. It's, it's a keeping, keeping an open mind. Um, listen, uh, be kind, and try things out. I mean, no one is going to die out of trying. No one has ever. Yeah, no, so, it's a, it's a yeah. challenging, challenging. Keep challenging yourself as well, right? And mm. and you know, adapting to the times as well, and uh, not not sitting still. You don't win a game by standing still. For sure. So. And I mean, Aids mentioned now that it's it's business critical for the survival in this industry. And I mean, this is not only um, this is not only affecting the gaming industry. It has affected other industries as well. I mean, look at the film industry now. It's more diverse than ever. We have incredible stories told by women younger uh, talent, older talent, uh, people of color, transgender. So, I mean, to be honest, I haven't been this inspired by the film industry um, ever. And I am am a classic film gal. You know, I love The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. I love (laughs) all the classics, Uh, but, but this is truly one of the greatest times for cinema despite of the economical difficulties and, and the, the political climate that we're living right now. Um, and that's just proof that anyone with different experiences that can contribute and put their cards on the table is always going to make things better, right? Definitely. I'd just like to put a little bit of a stick in that. I mean, coming from, I grew up in Singapore, right? So I'm from Asia. And it's interesting that y'all... Um, Kind of start out by saying that this, how it all began, is a bunch of white dudes, in you know, in studio making <laughs> we've grown up with. But, but for me, that's actually it's actually the Japanese folks. I mean, those were the early games. Like I, I, you know, this sort of Euro, it's very Eurocentric. The, <laughs> this kind of outlook on, on gaming history that's been kind of repeated over and over again. But for the most part, for us, and I think also a lot of the rest of the world, the, the early games were a lot of them were Japanese and. You know, made by sort of these Japanese folks, like, but maybe they tended to, it didn't come out of Japan, like right away, it took a little bit to, to come out, but uh, for sure they were, they were there. And that's, um, it's just a slightly different uh, way to look again, I guess that's the theme here. Yeah, but it. it also shows the importance like, of actually, you know, having diverse people with these different Yes. Well. Yep. <laughs> we can connect over the different ways of seeing things, right? You? Uh, I, I had one add, uh, additional question tied to this as well and one clear value that i see from a gaming studio or really any any company is in in talent acquisition right mm-hmm. so if if 
a gaming studio in this case that would have a profile that is clearly and ambitious about being a diverse and inclusive workplace. Yeah. My feeling, I mean, you know, it's not just my feeling, but it, it's, I guess it's quite obvious, you know, that has a higher chance of resonating and attracting a more diverse, at a higher skilled uh, based on people out there. Uh, is this something you've seen uh, as well in your studios? That there is um, like a conscious effort to to make sure we yeah exactly like this the val the value of uh, DNI in talent acquisition strategies is that something seen uh, come through on your workplaces? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a big part. It's definitely a big part of when uh, our current hiring practices and efforts. Um, but to the point you made earlier, like it, you you know the the need to go out there and actually actively go out and try to find people is is, a, is sort of critical to make that happen. You can't like wait back and see and hope the resumes roll in in the way that you, <laughs> in a diverse way you hope they would. Like you really got to go, you, you got to go out there and try and like, put a meaningful effort out. Um, at least I'm happy to say that I'm actually the only I'm I'm actually the only male in our entire executive team. <laughs> so like I'm the and uh, and uh, and um and uh, and we really and it it's I it's incredible that they were actually able to put that together before I before I arrived. So. It's been in the company culture to try to make these big changes. I will say, like, slap on our hand, definitely not enough in our actual studio, which is a problem at the studio, but, in the, but nowhere else, really. And so it's, uh, you know, it's something that we need to keep working on, though. But yeah, uh, totally agree. And something that we're trying, at least. All right. Nice. Um, let's move on now to Joanna's question. Right. My question. All right. So the context a bit. Um... So I do find myself on a daily basis having to interact with folks that are neurodivergent, um, many of which have declared themselves as such. I actually suspect that the creative industry is over-indexed for these individuals for a bit. Like, I guess I actually meant to ask two questions. The mini question is, do you? what do y'all think? I suspect that that's the case, but you know, what do y'all think? And the second bit of it is, I mean, since having neurodiverse colleagues are a given, do you have any advice or positive experience you can share? on how we can create a work environment that's inclusive for our neurodiverse colleagues. Oh. So uh, the first bit, what do you think? Uh, well, uh, I should, I'm sorry, are you, are you talking about in the first part, are you talking about whether or not we, we feel like uh, we uh, creative industries over-indexed or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking, yeah. The first question. In the, yep. Yeah, you know, it's... It's difficult to say because it's not necessarily something that's so openly talked about, I think, due to probably popular stigma and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I'd be remiss to say that, you know, um, uh, not the same thing at all. So I am not comparing myself to anybody, but I'm, I'm actually like extreme, I'm actually extremely introverted. And I do find that I have a lot of other colleagues who tend to um, kind of fall within themselves in the really quiet areas and tend to be a little bit like not comfortable speaking most of the time and things like that like through through throughout my career so i mean maybe maybe not not as fair to say so it's hard to like actually pinpoint you i don't want to want to put a label on anybody in that in, in that particular way but i guess like to follow up on that with the question with the question um about how to make those spaces i think what's always been important and even sort of feeling that from somebody or feeling that within the group it was always really important to try to make sure that, especially in like uh, in in-person workspaces, that everybody had the ability to kind of customize their working environments and be able to find special corners for them when they needed them. And if uh, we noticing in situations that maybe we were forming more 
social events and opportunities that if it was clear that somebody was having difficulty with that, um, trying to find other opportunities and alternative solutions to make sure that they always felt a part of that and they never felt um, removed. Um, always having options, I think, was always a big one too, which is just like, mm-hmm. let's just make sure for, you know, if somebody's feeling this way or somebody, you know, isn't comfortable in this situation or isn't capable of the situation, that we always had some way to kind of come together, even though, you know, we needed to find that common ground somewhere. And that was, mm-hmm. that was a big part. And we, yeah, that's a big mm-hmm. part of the process. Oh, for sure. And uh, it, it also comes down to, it's it's tricky to like give general statement because it depends so much on the company's culture and to each and every individual in particular as well and their own experiences. Um, but I would say, in my experience, the best way is to just communicate transparently and with kindness and empathy. I know it sounds, you know, very teletubby. <laughs> statement, uh, Candyland, but, you know, in in my professional and personal experience, the best ways to make the person next to you feel comfortable enough so um, they feel like it's a safe space for them to express themselves in in whatever capacity or or way they want to. Um, And that goes, you know, it it can get a bit tricky on a day-to-day because you have deadlines, there's frustrations, everyone can have a bad day, and sometimes we... We need to remind ourselves of that every day and, you know, we we will fail. But as long as we keep that in mind uh, all the time, we can we can create a, a healthy environment for everyone to to express themselves and, and give their best in their work, which ultimately is what we want, right? We want everyone to enjoy their, their jobs and do the best to deliver the best. Yeah. But that I mean that is our industry. You know, it's ever changing, right? We we keep adapting to moving milestones, timelines. Everything changes basically on a daily basis, right? Which is challenging for anyone. But for neurodiverse colleagues, we have we have a few faster uh, games. This requires, I think, a conscious strategy to not overwhelm them with the constant changes, and you know. Yeah, yeah. 11th hour requests uh, from the hip, right? It is a challenge, but it's something that needs to put be put resources towards to make sure that we can have as much order as possible and be upfront with deliverables uh, to the extent that we can, right? Not be surprised by by stuff and then just throw it at them because that's that's the recipe for disaster. And I mean, and that goes for them, but also really for anyone, right? So no one no one feels good about. Uh, things moving around all the time. There is one thing, and, and the second thing I would like to add is that I think all studios, us, I mean, definitely us as well, we have a lot to do when it comes to creating awareness uh, among other colleagues in the studio as yeah. what it means to be neurodiverse, right? And it's not, it doesn't mean one single thing, you know, it can be a whole range of things. But what, it, yeah, yeah, no, no, just what it means to be having neurodiverse colleagues. Um, how to treat them, right? Because we, we can't just expect routines and leadership to do the job. All, all colleagues basically uh, have to do the job to make sure that, that it's a healthy and safe environment for them to, again, to make them excel at their work. Because when circumstances are right, they're usually kick-ass, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, I think I think there's this is probably overlooked in the past a little bit, like yeah. that awareness among yeah. all people in in the gaming studio. Um, yeah. yeah, 
that's one thing. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. I mean, that was actually um, what I was trying to uh, trying to drive at. Really, I mean, awareness. Like people seem to know that that that's really that that's the case that they are amongst such individuals and. You know, uh, more and more, uh, they're starting to declare themselves and be like, oh, you know, I have ADHD or, you know, I have this um, issue or that issue. But um, as you say, awareness isn't quite there with every single one, what that really means. It's not just, you know, ADHD, and it's also sort of autism and a whole, bunch, whole range. And uh, like you say, they do have tremendous value and we need to be able to keep, we need to be able to keep them. I mean, I don't think we can survive, uh, you know, without uh, such folks to be to be frightfully honest um and it's just i i kind of a little bit struggled to where to start so i thought i was hoping to hear a little bit but yeah it's good to hear from yeah, it, it, it is something that um, you know someone has a finger on and mm, not sure where to go yet not sure where to start but it's it's there and yeah it's it's a little way yeah so, so, sometimes you can't really expect neurodiverse people to come proactively to the employer and saying, hey, I'm a neurodiverse person. Yeah. Yep. You know, these are my challenges. You know, <clears> sometimes, <throat> sometimes that doesn't yeah, happen. Actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Because there is a stigma around it as well. And there might be shame yeah. involved there with all that. So, yeah. And they, they don't want to undersell themselves in interviews and all that. I think like that part, mm-hmm. the, the interview process and hiring process and onboarding process, yeah. there is a lot of room for improve yeah, there absolutely. but it's yeah, yeah not just treating them in the same way as any other ap- applicant right sending them in the room in front of four founders mm-hmm. of the company and ask them you know straight questions on the fly yeah but, but give them time to prepare and make sure you custom make a setting for them where they can actually bring out all their values in a safe environment i think mm-hmm. this again this requires resources and it requires yeah. you know Maybe even training uh, and mentorships uh, from experts, how to mm-hmm. do this right. Um, Yikes! So yeah, it's not it's not easy, like, but it, but it's something that needs to be done. Yeah. I had a if I can just jump in. I had a candidate uh, who um, said to me and also said in the interview that he is autistic and used it as a strength. So he said because of his autism, he loves chaos and yeah. organizing. Yeah. that chaos and i just thought that was fantastic so it's not it's not a weakness it's not it's not a negative thing that's just part of who that person is and that's how they deal with it and they use it as strength and i just thought that was awesome just to like jump in just because that's my own little experience with working with someone who's neurodivergent so i thought that was awesome to have that attitude of like this is who i am and this is how this is a strength the same way that any person would use any part of their personality or who they are in an interview as a strength so that that's like one example which I thought was was cool, and not everyone feels comfortable doing that, of course. Uh, but that was just a, an awesome example of you know how to go about it in an interview. That is, you know, gaming industry is a perfect place for that person. So <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's really excuse me. That's actually really really good to hear because like you know like you've mentioned, I've actually started to come across um, this. I'm I'm a hiring manager, and I have find myself having to do that a lot. Like. Uh, last few years but um in recent years it's come up uh, really a lot like people are totally okay with kind of mentioning it and using it as a you know because of that i'm kind of great with uh, you know changing you know having to um think of my feet or having to like having things change up all the time or not having things change up all the time it's just um yeah it's part of like you say their their uh their edge i think would say yep 
but great to hear from you. All right. Um, now let's move on to Ace. Uh, your question and a bit of context behind it, please. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna re- reword mine slightly. Hopefully, <laughs> I've done that to everyone's uh, 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 dismay. But um, so my question is really like, in what ways can companies implement feedback and review systems to help grade their own diversity and inclusion efforts? And um, this is coming from a place where I tend to feel that some companies accidentally find themselves kind of doing it more performatively uh, without actually doing anything really about not 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 doing anything about it, but they're kind of just sort of doing something, kind of coasting along on the concept of it. And so, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I just wanted to see if anybody had any experience with that, like grading themselves and how they do it or using any external factors or, you know, staff and anybody else to, to help to help set those uh, boundaries and, and levels. We actually have, uh, maybe not from a diversity standpoint, but from an inclusion standpoint, we are using a tool right now to measure all departments on many key areas, and one of them is uh, inclusion. Actually, it doesn't it doesn't you know tell the story about how the, how diverse a team is and what can be done. More about right. you know does the employees feel included? Are they you know listened listened to? Are there do they, do their opinions matter? Do they feel like that and stuff like that? So we use a tool called Winning at the moment where we where we get a weekly temperature check basically on how we are performing on these and and, and it's it's drilling down to different areas and also sub uh, departments uh, in the company as well so we can follow the trend that we can see how we're how we're doing we can take action to see how that action actually helped feeling getting the employees feeling more included more inclusive um so we that's brilliant yeah, that, we we just started uh, last month, really. So this is quite new. It, it's a it's a really great app on mobile and web as well, and you can track all this. So um, maybe something to look at. And it, I'm happy that we're doing it. Right, just the fact that we are doing it and spending money and resources on this yeah. means a lot, mm-hmm. right? And and we are still in the learning process as well here. So I don't have any conclusions, right? I can't say if this is the best tool ever, mm-hmm. but it's it's a tool at least to get data on inclusion uh, yeah. and one important yeah. aspect of this of course is the anonymity uh, of it right mm-hmm. people can basically rate and comment completely anonymous which i think is super important uh maybe it goes without saying but you know asking people up front to the faces i would love to be able to do that and get you know perfectly honest answers from the you know from the gut and heart answers but sometimes people do not want to do that to towards their managers. You know, they might not feel the trust yet. They might be new employees. Yeah, having equal for them to express concerns or even praise on things like or yeah, stuff they they think need to be changed to take mm-hmm. a better inclusion. Um it's uh, I can share the link with you afterwards and it's seeing it a cool tool actually. Yes. I love that you're saying that because um I think it's the first ever example of how to <laughs> tackle an issue like this usually companies in general and i mean including the gaming industry but all of them they they leave the issue at the biggest statement we need to do something about it and then you know no one really stops and breaks down the problem into actionable an actionable plan to make it happen and and as you said andreas it might work or might not work but you're never going to find out if you don't try so through trial and error you realize what works and what doesn't what how how you can best help people um right now it's it almost feels like a massive pr headline 
that everyone just heard from their website. Uh, but there's yeah. very little action in it, right? No, true. A lot of studios, yeah. or not not just studios, a lot of companies are super happy once they reach, let's say, a 50-50 gender split. Right. Mm. We are diverse. Mm. You know, we, we tick this box <laughs> and we move on, right? So, um, I, I mean, that that's happened and that, that will keep on happening. People will pride themselves for having having a 50-50 split. And then what that actually what the split means and how that split is split up in the companies, no, they never tell that story and they don't do much of it. So um, oh. right. yeah. And how much impact this diversity brings into the company? Because it can be that you have 50-50 uh, in gender split, but are you are you really giving, are you really empowering uh, um, both no. sides in a way that they can express themselves? That That's also a story that is not told, so. Yeah, thank you. That's great. Yeah, and I think also like, this is not really, because I know your question, Ace, is about implementing, this is more on the results side, but also just showing it that, that I think if you fill in a form and then you don't see any results, that's not, as you guys have said, that's not, you know, the job is then not done. So like, for example, here at Evolution uh, on the Nordic team, um, in the leadership it is 50-50 uh, split. And then in the team as a whole, I think it's 40% women and 60% men. But I don't see that as a negative. I think, I don't know if it's always necessary to have exactly 50%. I feel like that's like maybe a little bit of an obsession. Like that's not, you know, that necessary. But just to, to make sure that the workforce is diverse as possible, you know. And, and and also flipping it the other way. I don't know if it's a good thing to have only one man and then 10 women. Like, you know, on that that's also not not diverse, right? So it's not just about from you know a gender perspective having more women or more non-binary people but also making sure that you know that that it is equal not not just for the minorities does that make sense yeah if i can add on that the aim is always to uh to be in a, in a middle ground that feels good for everyone uh but you know before that you also have to go to the other side and flip the coin for a little bit just to see how it feels you know so <laughs> actually encourage it <laughs> one question to to ace i think your 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 question to us also included uh, a point of view from players right or if you have something yeah no no it, it, it did it did because in the initial in the initial thought of it was like there's there's i mean when we talk about diverse and inclusion across multiple things it's obviously our workplaces it's the difference between leadership studio maybe the publisher if you are one you know, in that, in that situation. And, and also in the diversity and inclusion in characters and the ways that you use culture in your games and people, and they just, they, that was, that, that was another part of it. That's a super hot button topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's sort of an interesting thing because obviously the, you know, vocal majority, um, of, uh, certain folks can be really down on it. And then you have the very silent majority actually who maybe doesn't say anything about it but appreciates it like 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 nina said earlier right now with all the incredible diversity in hollywood she's never felt more empowered about that that lie right but you know i i don't know how often you get on twitter and start talking about it you know, maybe, you know what i mean like that's and so and so we don't hear we don't hear much about how much it's empowering people and so in some ways i was curious like well it's funny because i feel like you hear nothing online but people complaining Right in a lot of ways, like that's like the only thing you see. But that's just the the anger coming out on, on the internet. But then then there's this other part there where people are actually seeing something and being empowered by it. And is there a way to actually communicate with your players and say, hey, like 
how's it going? How are we doing? <laughs> like, <how's> it? <laughs> it's just not, wasn't sure if anybody had any thoughts around that as well. I mean, I think a very recent example is um, uh, what happened with the battlefield. And um, was it battlefield? Battlefront? Can't remember right now the name of the game. Um, they included uh, they included a, a female um, character to play. Um, right. I can't remember the name, but anyways, um, I think in my experience, there's certain games that have again in the Western world <laughs> um, cater to to the male audience, and whenever there's been um, a female character included, like let's say an um, an FPS. Uh, that is typically played by men. Um, I've seen enrangement. I've seen men pissed off. Part of my friends uh, about having a, a, a woman as a, a main character, or that you're playing as, as a woman. Um, and I never understood why. Um, so I think whatever decision the company makes regarding diversity, like if they want to bring more female characters, if they want to bring more people of color as main characters, or not even that, it's, it's the way you play uh, the game, uh, that it can be adapted to people with disabilities and, you know, like all of these great things. Whatever a company decides, they need to stick with it and they need to defend um, their points of view and the reasons why they're doing what they're doing instead of backing mm. out because they fear that their sales might drop. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I actually have a pretty ex fun and exciting example on a marketing asset we made for one of our recent releases, uh, CTCR. It's a, it's a city building and management simulating game in, in VR, basically. And when we set out to create the announcement trailer for this game, we had an idea of having someone super bored in a dark office, you know, just doing nothing and then opening a drawer and finding a VR headset and putting that on and basically being transferred from that boring setting into a fantastic world where they would then come out of as the mayor of the city. But initially, uh, we had ideas from different agencies and stuff on, you know, having you know, a girl in the, in, in the setting as an office worker. Um, and then a major coming in at the end of it and basically basically tapping her on the shoulder or you know helping to build the city a male male mayor uh and we swapped that around so she came out of the whole city as the mayor of her own city instead um and th this was this led to quite quite a lot of discussion online but mostly positive i would say as well right we we this wasn't really a let's say cliche male gazing type of game or male target type of game like an FPS war shooter uh, it had a much more diverse target audience um, but it's it's a, it's a it's an example of where we actually applied a a diverse mindset to a marketing asset that that did a lot of good I think uh, for the discussion for at least from that for that game and, and VR gaming in general and then from that point we have been thinking diversity uh, in our target audiences and in our assets, in all our traders. Um, our next game now would also have the option to play Layla Thieman from the get-go. Like, not, not as an add-on side, you know, shoehorning thing, because some people ask where we build it up from the ground up and we play that way. So I think we have, we have, you know, we have come some way, I think, in the gaming industry to, to think about this more uh, consciously and take action. But, but again, there's still a long way to go, right? Now we have tools to listen into the communities as well through Discord, social media, not the vocal minority because those opinions really don't 
matter most of the time, right? They shout <laughs> the loudest. They shout. Uh, they do. They they sure are. <laughs> Uh, but once you go to the bottom of it and really talk to the dedicated gamers and your actual target audience, you find a lot of value uh, that can help you custom craft marketing assets or even games. So I think uh, we are in a position now, we can't really blame not getting connecting with the gaming audiences anymore to not take action. We have the tools to do that. It's it's a question of time <laughs> and resources just to, you know, to engage with them and learn and understand them and know your target audiences. Understand that it's not just, you know, males from the 80s in Japan or the West who is know who's the current target audience. It's much, much more diverse than that. If if I think of... Oh, no, go on, Diana. Sorry. No, I just wanted to mention really quickly that, like, um, I work with new product development at Star Stable a little bit. Um, my team is one of the only groups of the company that's not working on Star Stable Online. So because of that, we do end up having to do a bit more focus group work. Um, we work with Playtest Cloud as well. And that's where we kind of start to ask, where we ask players the question, like, you know, what kind of options do you wish you had? Um, when when we get sort of just random kids to play, we also see these requests emerge actually from the gameplay. It's like, oh, why can't I make myself, you know, X or, or like this or that? And then we we pick that's how we pick that up and um, yeah uh, again uh, here we also hear this from the community and you know um, like our in-game like feedback tool but for the most part um, yeah, they're more of the people who kind of shout the loudest yeah but then yeah that's that's uh, that's really that's really something we need we need to do like the focus groups and the you know the interviews player interviews it's quite hard to get to the without that cool and then finally uh in nest yes it feels like ace and i had the same question almost <laughs> so i'm gonna try to rephrase it in a way that it makes sense to uh what we're talking about now so my my initial question was uh what do you guys think are the next steps for companies to go further with regards to diversity and inclusion and i mean it's, it's essentially almost asking the same question as ace but um in, in my uh, experience, uh, at least in, in uh, what I've been able to live in the gaming industry, uh, I realized that a lot of it, uh, in my humble opinion, comes down to education and um, possibilities, economical opportunities that um, families have, um, expectations that society has on you. Um, let me rephrase that. Um, a girl may not see themselves working in the gaming industry, even if they're gamers, because they were never expected to. Uh, uh, someone that maybe doesn't have um, the economical advantage to go to a, a gaming uh, a gaming school or a great university to be able to form themselves and, and work in this industry may not even fathom to, um, to be able to work in this industry. Uh, so to me, part of the solution, not all the solution, lies on what message are we giving to younger generations um, and all the kids and all the uh, great people out there that well, have never even thought that they could do this. I mean, uh, at Star Stable, at least within our community, whenever we reach out for um, players that draw uh, their own characters or write their own uh, star stable stories in, in Jorvik. Um, 
when we reach out to them so we can share those stories and that talent uh, with the rest of the community um, and sometimes even collaborate with us officially, their first question is, or their first sentence or statement is, I didn't even know this was possible. I didn't even know that I could be working with you guys. And this is 10, 11, 12 year old girls that feel very passionately about uh, Star Stable, but have never thought that it was even a possibility. So I guess my question to you guys is, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think are the next steps? Or how could we um, how could we tackle this in a way that um, changes things in the long run? Not just now, but in the future. Sure. Uh, I, keep, I keep coming back to awareness. And I think this is like sort of an overarching theme to me of this whole topic for today. I don't. I feel that we don't promote the benefit of having a great DNI in the studio enough. I think if you ask a lot of our employees, for example, <clears throat> they've never been really been told or explained to uh, why it matters, why it is important. They all have their individual ideas, of course. Some might have your view on things like we need to do this for the future generations to make sure that more people find a way into the gaming industry and feel included. And it's, so, so that is one thing I think, like, we need to tell more clearly the benefit of having this to people. This, you know, to make us pioneers is can open up for new ways of thinking, etc. And And secondly, I think we have a lot to do in terms of the recruitment process. I would love to see, like, dedicated DNI scouts, for example. So one thing that, that is not done enough uh, is to define the kind of diversity that you that you actually need. Right? It's, it's quite tricky as well. But it's not just about a gender split. We talked about that. It's not about race also. It's about backgrounds yeah. and, and socioeconomic backgrounds or even geographical backgrounds can also play a matter. Like, there's so much you can can go for if you have the right people to to do the job, right? Um, so I think starting out there uh, in the recruitment processes uh, and making sure we we actually scout or work with dedicated DI scouts, I think could be good. Yeah. I would love to see training education for for staff as well and how on how they work and thrive in a in a diverse and inclusive workplace, stuff like that. Um, a lot of areas for improvement, of course, but but the overall picture is like raise the awareness on why this is important. Get everyone on board on the benefits of having a diverse and including the workspace. Yep, strong point. Hard to hard to add uh, very much to that. Actually, really, yeah, awareness. How, what? I mean, the different facets of uh, you know DNI. Like we are, it's not. It's beyond gender. We need to. We definitely need to go beyond gender and skin color. It's you know, people who think a little bit differently. It's uh, people from a different cultural, you know, or socioeconomic background. I mean, all all that kind of boils down to that different perspective that is the value that, you know, is that's being added to the company. And absolutely, if we can't get everyone uh, on board, like you know, the executive management, you know, the business folks, you know, the investors, if if that um, if we can't make that point to them, really hard to get it to, to trickle down into the actual um sort of actions that will, will help social and economical background that was exactly what i was trying to say <laughs> but i had a brain fart <laughs> no. thank you for putting it in the right words that oh, was excellent <laughs> yeah, yeah and, the, and the last part you mentioned Lana, which is about i, I was going to try to take a different angle on this since every, the points already made were already so yeah. well mm -hmm. said and i think it's really interesting because i think from a like <laughs> kind of 
the weird LinkedIn thought leadership crew will will tell you that like you know <laughs> it's all about it's all about your EBIT and like your performance and and it, what it does is sort of it drives people at executive levels who are inspired by this kind of thing to really focus on a certain type of hiring right they're they're specifically looking for people with deep experience and long things like be part of leadership and stuff like that X amount of years doing this and that guess what people who don't have the years are probably the people who were in some of the more diverse sectors of the environment and you need to take a little bit of that opportunity to be proactive take mm-hmm. a bit of a risk like bring them into yeah. the fold yeah. like offer them yes. the opportunities that you would normally yes. offer somebody else and that's really tough you know and it's but it is tough like especially if you're like a fledgling studio or like you know and like you gotta you gotta hit those numbers up the pressure the yeah. the the business and external pressure from to the point you made investors and everybody else gets really really tight and so when you ask the question about what we need to do to go further it's honestly be brave i think especially at certain levels because i think in combination of doing that and if we truly believe that that diversity actually does breed excellent product the results of that can then be kind of shouted from the top of the mountains and then everybody will start participating. And then that switches up the weird thought leadership on like it'll be something more. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's exactly as you said, I mean, right. <laughs> it, it's exactly as you say, it's, um, when they're looking for people with uh, more experience to, um, to bring in the best in their projects, when you, when you look at their profiles, it's essentially almost the same profile over and over again. And there's very little diversity because they're catching up, right? Uh, so that's why um, I brought up that to me, it, it feels really important to bring um, awareness, as you said, but also education in this because, the, I mean, diversity uh, and inclusion is catching, like all these different profiles are catching up on all the knowledge experience um, and years of work that others have had the opportunity to uh, have and do sooner. So definitely, and be brave. I'll take that with me as well. Awareness and be brave. And I think we, we talked about the uh, vocal minority before when it comes to gaming audience or play game players. Uh, you know, at, at, I, I feel to some extent this also goes for people who are, you know, have a negative approach towards the pursuit of diversity and inclusion. You hear a lot of people scream and shout, oh, why is it needed, you know? And then you see a company saying, now we have 50-50 gender state, we are diverse meetings. <laughs> uh, and that that actually is counterproductive, right? Because it, it comes out sort of as a PR marketing stunt for that company to to you know hit themselves on the chest, as I'm saying in Swedish at least. I'm not sure if that's an English song. But they don't solve the problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Basically, they, they brag right. that it's off the box and they, they can put the whatever accolade on their company portfolio saying we are diverse. And it becomes no more than a shallow thing, a layer on top, a wrapping on the company brand name. So I think, I, ca- I keep coming back to this, but there are, it's so easy, honestly, to explain why diversity inclusion is important. What that is, it can bring. We just need to do that. We need to do a better job in just to show the world, well, you know, fine, you go for gender gender split. We are going to go for having a thriving, creative, ever-evolving workplace where creative ideas are being thrown around we are pioneering our go-to-market class. We're pioneering our game designs. We know our target audiences. We're expanding our target audiences. You know, we know them in depth now, so we can tailor-make experience for them that will make them potentially join the industry at some point as well because they find products that relates with them. There's so many things that can be said that aren't said enough, I think. And it 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 
ends up with a stamp of diversity approval on the company portfolio. That that, that saddens me a little bit. So I think we can all do a better job mm-hmm. in shouting the good, shout out the good of the DNI to the world. Right, I can't can't say it better myself. So before we uh, end the podcast, uh, I'd like to say thanks to all of our guests. Uh, for sharing their thoughts in today's topic. Uh, so once again, we've had Domena from Star Stable, Andreas from Fast Travel Games, Ace from Beyond Frames, and Innes also from Star Stable. Uh, if you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. If you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message as well. I'm Melanie, and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at melanie.lindsay at evolution-nordics.com or you can visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash SE. Thank you again to our guests for joining us today. Thank you guys for listening and we hope you can join us next time.